This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking another stroll down memory lane, only this time we're going to be doing a recap from a wrestling program that was around for about four seasons, and it was hands down one of the most entertaining wrestling shows on the planet. Yeah, it was a little weird and a little goofy, but... The way it was structured and the way it was delivered, everything made sense. There were good moments, 
There were bad moments, but overall, I was a huge fan of this company. And this company is, of course, Lucha Underground. Uh, Elvis got me hooked on Lucha Underground. We used to watch it all the time, talk about it all the time. Uh, we watched three full seasons of it. Uh, I know there was a fourth season, but sadly, I have never watched it. There may come a day when I might go and watch season four, just to get an understanding of some things. But overall, Lucha Underground was a great, great show. I wish it was still around. I wish that company was still in business because I honestly feel like they were having exciting matches and really exciting stories. So now, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, we're going to jump over here to Ultima Lucha Tres. Now, granted, uh, Ultima Lucha has already taken place. Uh, Lucha Underground, the season three, has already come to an end. Uh, came to an end on uh, October 18th, but at the time, the Booch cast was uh, not exactly uh, up and running as a standard show yet, so I didn't really get a chance to dive into that or really talk about that. And Unless, of course, you happen to be uh, following my fight report on the regular guy's show, you're not really fully aware of my thoughts on Ultima Ultima Lucha Trace, but uh, here on the Boochcast, I get to talk about it uh, for the first time, and um, of course, I'm going to get into this and uh, knock it on out before we uh, uh, close this show today, and Ultima Lucha Trace in general was a hell of a show. Of course, um, we opened the match, uh, we opened the show with uh, Dr. Wagner Jr. Uh, taking on Tejano, and obviously, this was a match where um, if uh, Famous B won, he'd get to have the managerial services of Tejano. But they decided to make it a handicap match since Famous B's arm was broken yet again by Pentagon Dark. So Dr. Wagner came in and they had the beautiful Brenda at ringside. And after a hard fought battle between Dr. Wagner and Tejano, Famous B was able to get a roll up, get the one, two, three, win the match. And now Tejano is now part of Famous B's clientele. So obviously when, uh, if and when, uh, Lucha Underground ever comes back for season four, um, we'll get to see how this pair is going to work out. Uh, obviously we're going to be seeing a lot of Tejano and Famous B. We already know that, uh, Brenda and Tejano have had some intimate moments. There were a few vignettes that were airing that was showing Brenda hitting on Tejano and Tejano definitely responding as, uh, Famous B was kind of reeling him in, you know, doing a pantomiming of fishing reel, knowing that, uh, eventually, uh, Tejano was going to join his group. Uh, he's not joining by choice. He's joining by force, but who knows? Maybe Famous B could help Tejano go right through the top and become the next Lucha Underground champion. And then, of course, after that, we had the uh, Hell of War match, which is basically Lucha Underground's version of the Three Stages of Hell match. That's what they call it in WWE. So it's a two out of three falls match with different stipulations. The first fall was a first blood match. The second fall, no disqualification. And the third fall was medical evac which is their version of an ambulance match and these two men these two former at these two former uh marine veterans damn near killed each other in this match this is probably one of the most violent matches ever derived the only thing i thought was weird was the fact that no dq was after first blood i felt they should have had no disqualification then first blood because i think no dq match because the matches are pretty much the same there's weapons all the time fights all around the only difference is the finish that's really all 
was. So Fox is a batch up on Killshot from the from the from off the turnbuckle through the plate glass window. Killshot is bleeding from the back, so Fox wins the first fall, which I thought was kind of an anticlimactic way of having Dante Fox win the match. I felt that Killshot should have won the first blood match, just for the simple fact that you know that way you could see bleeding from the face or have him don the the proverbial crimson mask. I felt would have made this match a lot better if we saw that as opposed to just a little bit of blood from the back like you know when you see first blood we're expecting real we're expecting actual blood to flow and I felt that we should have seen more of that so I felt that you know Killshot should have won that match then of course afterwards we see Killshot powerbombing Dante Fox with the barbed wire cover board in the corner he then hits a cradle driver on Fox on the broken glass pins Fox 1-2-3 and gets the second fall especially since you know we'd seen Fox hitting the 450 splash on Killshot on the ladder and all this other violent stuff. Then, at the start of the third fall, they're exchanging strikes, fighting all over the temple. Killshot grabs a beer bottle, breaks it over the head of Dante Fox. Fox falls off the band, staging through a glass structure set up underneath. Killshot puts Fox in the medical evac vehicle, shuts the door, and wins the third fall. And all I gotta say is, uh, again, holy shit, amazing match between these two. And And I still can't believe Dante Fox is still standing after that giant fall from the stage. Like, that's almost the equivalent to, you know, Jim Cornette falling off the scaffolding, or Mick Mick Foley being thrown off the hell in a cell. Like, that can seriously kill someone if they don't land properly. So, that was a very big risk to take, but it was definitely a good way to, you know, somewhat kick off uh, Lultima Lucha Trace. It definitely set the bar for the rest of these, you know, competitors uh, to top. And, you know, props to both these men down the road. And then, of course, after that, we had The Mac facing Arhenius, Joey Ryan, Mala Suerte, Mascarita Sagrada, Paul London, Pimpinella Escaltara, PJ Black, Ricky Mandel, Son of Madness, and Vinny Massaro in a battle royal for an ultimate opportunity. Now, Pimpinella Escalara is kind of like a, uh, the Scarlet Pimper- Pimpernel, and basically, um, she, uh, she, he, she showed up in Lucha Underground like, uh, during the first season. So they kind of brought her back for this match, which was great. Uh, my only complaint is this. Once again, Joey Ryan's in the ring. And once again, Joey Ryan not doing the U-Porn Plex, not doing the dick flip, not doing the one move that has made this man mainstream famous. I don't know if this is Joey's decision or Lucha Underground's decision, but at some point he needs to be doing this. Because there's one wrestling company in America where Joey Ryan can do that move and not have to be criticized it's Lucha Underground especially with all the fictitious storylines that they have but the Mac wins and then Dario Cuerto announces his prize is a trio's title shot but Dario gets to pick the partners and he chooses Killshot and Dante Fox yes the two men who just killed each other in Hell of War now gotta team up with the Mac to go for the trios titles which again is why I love Dario Cuerto and why I love all these curveballs that they keep throwing at people because it's entertaining it's amazing and Lucha Underground because there's the sky's the limit for them they can do whatever they want and it gets the fans riled up it gets the fans excited it makes for great wrestling and speaking of great wrestling we move on to the next match of the evening Katrina versus Ivalice Ivalice, this match was announced at the very start of season three. It's the one match everyone's been looking forward to the most. Ivalice has been 
gone due to injury for half of for almost all of season three. She finally came back for this match. Katrina stepping into the ring for the first time ever in Lucha Underground, and these two women got violent as fuck. I loved this match. No bullshit. Especially with Katrina hiding out in Dario's office. Ivelisse pulls on the door. When it finally opens, Ivelisse gets hit in the head with a glass bottle. They move outside the office. Ivelisse gets hit in the head by two more bottles. Ivelisse has blood streaming down her face. That's a fight, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you show blood in a match and get people emotionally invested. Ivelisse bleeding profusely, having to fight Katrina, and then Ivelisse still managing to get the win. Despite all the obstacles thrown in front of her. The the beer bottles. Neil Muerte is getting involved. Jeremiah Crane trying to show up. Just everything in her way. And then all of a sudden, Ivelisse grabs Katrina's stone. They fight for it. Ivelisse hits Katrina in the head with it. Hits her with the DDT. Covers her 1-2-3 and wins the match. Then Jeremiah Crane comes out, takes a hammer to the back of, of uh, Ivelisse's ankle. She comes back in the ring and grabs the stone. Because, of course, in one of the vignettes prior to the fight, Ivelisse realized that Jeremiah Crane do- doesn't actually love her and is, in fact, in love with Katrina. Because apparently Katrina and... Uh, um, Jeremiah Crane had a little something-something a long time ago, but now Katrina's with Mil Muertes, but then says he's not the man she loves, which confuses the fuck out of me. But now we're trying to figure out where does this storyline go from here? Will we see Katrina and Jeremiah Crane as a couple? What's going to happen to Ivelisse? Obviously with the ankle. Uh, does that mean she's not going to be on a lot of uh, Lucha Underground shows coming forward? Uh, I don't know what that means. Like, is she out of action? Where do we go? Again, it's a big cliffhanger, but Ivelisse finally got the win, got her revenge on Katrina. Everything came full circle in this story, and these two women put on a hell of a match. And not only that, Katrina showed that she could wrestle, which is great. These two have been building their match up for a year and lived up to all the hype. And then we have the next match, which is the mask versus hair match. Phoenix versus Marty the Moth Martinez. Phoenix's mask, Marty's hair. These, This match, from a wrestling standpoint, was great. It was bloody. It was violent. Marty was his psycho self. Cutting up you know, Phoenix, causing him to bleed, using weapons out of a lunchbox, truly showing that he is psycho, insane in the membrane. But there was one issue that I had. Phoenix's mask, Marty ripped up half the mask, and you could see a little bit of Phoenix's face, like half his face. To me, that took me out of the whole story. I couldn't really enjoy the match after that, because, look, I understand that Marty did that a lot in the matches leading up to it. He would rip the mask a little bit. But the whole purpose of the the match is if you lose and take off your mask, the only reason that works is because we finally get to see your face. That's what's great about seeing a masked wrestler take off their mask. You get to see their face. Because a lot of these masked luchadors, they wear their masks 24-7, 365. The only time you see them without their mask is if they're at an airport. Because you can't be at an airport with a mask on. You just can't do it. So the wrestlers, they have to kind of, you know, be incognito. Give no indication whatsoever that they're that masked wrestler. And then once they get to, once they get out of sight, they can eventually put the masks back on. But, you know, so to me, that took me out of the kayfabe. It ruined 
ruined the story for me. And I'll be honest, even though the match was great, once I saw half of Phoenix's face, the match was ruined for me. It just was. But that didn't stop the finish from being amazing with uh, eventually Melissa Santos getting involved. Melissa jumps on the apron. She tells Marnie she loves him. They want to run away together. She tries to get the scissors from him. He puts them down. He grabs her, brings her in the ring. She slats him across the face. She gives him a low blow. Phoenix is back up. He does a running knee to the back of Marty's head. Hits a springboard 540 splash. Phoenix and Melissa both cover him. One, two, three. Phoenix wins the match. He keeps his mask. Marty has to give his hair. Marty tries to flee the ring. Marty posts at the top of the stairs telling him to leave with her. Marty Posa then turns her back on the brother giving him a chair shot to the head. She handcuffs him to the stairs. Marty Posa then lets gives Melissa all the cutting tools and says he's all yours. Melissa and then Phoenix then proceed to cut his hair and use the clippers. Marty is getting a buzz cut and not very even. So Melissa's Phoenix is using the scissors. Melissa's using the buzz cut buzzer. They cut Phoenix's hair and Phoenix of course is screaming the whole time because he knows there's nothing he can do about it and it's great. And I love the fact that Marty Pulse hit him with that chair shot in the end. Because the one thing that has been bugging me throughout most of season three is Marty turns on Marty Posa. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Marty Posa just magically got back together with Marty. No fucking explanation. No logic. No nothing. It was just straight up fucking stupid. And it was confusing the shit out of me and all other Lucha Underground fans. So I'm glad to see Marty Posa actually turn on Marty and say that, oh, it was just a ploy to gain his confidence and all that. And then we see Marty getting the haircut and Phoenix standing tall with Melissa Santos, the love of his life. And obviously this rivalry is far from over, but what I want to see is who is going to be the next rival. Are we going to see Marty and Marty Pulsa start fighting each other? Is, is, is Marty going to want revenge on Phoenix? Is Melissa Santos going to get kidnapped? What's going to happen now? Because personally, I think Phoenix and Marty, they need to put their idea to bed. I think that Marty should start feuding with Marty Posa. Where Phoenix goes from there, I don't know. Maybe he can go back for the gift of the gods. Maybe he can start becoming Lucha Underground Champion. Maybe Melissa Santos at some point starts, has to kind of, um, you know, blend between uh, ring announcing and managing. Like, maybe they should bring in a second ring announcer and maybe have somebody else ring announcing Phoenix's match and then having Melissa Santos kind of be a valet for Phoenix. That way, you know, they can stay together. I don't know how that's going to work. Because obviously, I don't want to replace Melissa Santos because Melissa Santos is a phenomenal ring announcer. She is fantastic. She is great at what she does. So I don't want to see her lose her job. But at the same time, it might, if she's going to be in a relationship with Phoenix, it's going to be tougher to be a ring announcer and stay partial and stay impartial. Because obviously, she couldn't do that in this match because it got way too personal. But it was entertaining nonetheless. And then, no and then, just kidding. Uh, we have the next uh, match of the evening. We had a Sexy Star versus Taya in a last Luchadora standing match. And um, on a personal level for me, I couldn't really enjoy this match. Even though these are two women that, you know, have done a great job in Lucha Underground, after the whole Sexy Star debacle with Rosemary, I couldn't enjoy this match. Because before that, I I was a huge fan of Sexy Star. I love Sexy Star. She was my favorite in all of Lucha Underground. When she won Lucha Underground Women's Title, I mean, not Women's Title, but the Lucha Underground Championship, I was so happy. And then when she lost to Johnny Mundo a week later, I was so fucking pissed. I couldn't, I could not contain my anger and frustration because I felt if anyone deserved to be champion, it was Sexy Star. But obviously, it was hard to enjoy. But the match begins with Taya showing brass knuckles to Sexy Star. Sexy Star takes out knuckles of her own and kicks Taya's 
Ty's knuckles out of the ring. Uh, Sexy Star then kicks Ty and then hits a couple hurricanes. Ty is out of the ring, catches Sexy Star. She jumps to her and then slams her, t- slams her, uh, you know, into the barricade. Uh, both women exchange kicks. Sexy Star lands another kick to the midsection, but then Ty hits a low blow to Sexy Star. And then, of course, after this, they're hitting each other with glass bottles, multiple weapons, and then Ty chokes Sexy Star. Sexy Star falls through two tables stacked on top of each other and brings Ty down with her. Sexy Star barely gets back up, answering the 10 count. Ty is unresponsive, so Sexy Star wins the last Luchador standing match. Once again, Sexy Star is victorious. Once again, Matt Stryker's commentary is amazing, but yet hard for Lucha Underground fans to enjoy because, I mean, but the fans watching at home at least, because this was all taped back in June of last year. So all this was taped and took place before Sexy Star did what she did to Rosemary. And obviously the big question now is, will Sexy Star be allowed back at Lucha Underground? How blacklisted is she? And where does her future go from here? But here were the things that I found interesting. I loved the, the, the knuckles thing, especially since the brass knuckles were vital parts of Taya screwing over Sexy Star. So I felt that that was great, again, for stare-offs and ring psychology. The fact that Taya hit a low blow on Sexy Star made me laugh because I'm like, you're both women. There's no balls to low blow, you fucking idiots. But I don't know. Maybe, although I have heard Al Snow say that you can make a woman drop, you can make a woman drop like a rock too if you give her the old cunt punt. Although Al Snow's never done it, but he's seen situations where it's happened and boom, they just drop. But uh, anyway, great match and, um, you know, amazing women's wrestling. But like I said before, just hard to watch because of what went down. And then of course we had Dante Fox, Killshot, and the Mac taking on the Reptile Tribe for the Trios Championships. And in a shocking turn of events, the team manages to win. And of course the Mac is there with his title. And we see in that moment, Killshot and Dante Fox make peace and stand tall with the championships. And here's the thing. I know it sounds weird to see these guys make peace after the the Hell of War match they went through, but here's the way I look at it. It's kind of similar to the Hell in a Cell match with the New Day and the Usos. After the Usos won the match, the Usos made a truce with the New Day. They shook hands with the New Day and said, look, we now respect you guys because of the hell we went through. Because they know, A, that rivalry needed to come to an end, and B, you're not going to top that. Dante Fox and Killshot are not going to top that Hell of War match. To see those two continue to fight would be fucking stupid because that, they'll never top that. So you might as well just make them make them friends again. Like, look, I now respect you, bro, after that match. So now, let's stand by the Mac and be the new Trios champions. So, in the end, it makes perfect sense, even though it didn't seem that way at the time. And then, of course, after that, we had the ladder match for the vacant Gift of the Gods Championship, Pentagon Dark versus Son of Havoc. That's right. After a seven-way match that saw Pentagon Dark and Son of Havoc pin two separate people and get the three count, Dario decided to make it a ladder match for the Gift of the Gods Championship, and this match delivered. These two men damn near killed each other, and it was amazing. They had a ladder, I remember at one point, uh, Pentagon had, had a ladder placed on the groin, uh, no, the ladder was placed on the groin of a sitting Pentagon, Havoc hit a couple of chair shots to the ladder, seriously hurting Pentagon's groin. At one point, Havoc goes to the ropes, tries for a shooting star press, but Pentagon counters with a mid-air cutter, similar to uh, Evan Bourne and the Randy Orton RKO out of nowhere. And then, of course, Pentagon, and then, of course, they set up the ladders to where you're walked between, there's a ladder set up in the ring, then another ladder set up between the between one of the rungs and the middle rope, and then Pentagon chokeslams Havoc 
Havoc through two through the tables stacked near the ladders. Pentagon then climbs the ladder, grabs the Gift of the Gods title, and wins. So Pentagon Dark becomes the Gift of the Gods champion. And I can honestly say I loved the fact that Pentagon won. Because even though Son of Havoc is a great competitor, Pentagon Dark has been, you know, a, a staple of Lucha Underground. This is a guy who has been great both as Pentagon Jr. and as Pentagon Dark. He's developed this new mean streak. You know, he's supposed to be the guy who who had zero fear, but Pentagon Jr. had a little bit more fear than he originally thought. He found something to be scared of, and then he conquered that fear, became Pentagon Dark, and is now this relentless guy who turned on his own uh, mentor, and who turned on his own, on, not his mentor, but his maestro, and became this badass guy. So to see him finally get that victory and win that Get to the Gods title was was amazing and son of havoc his time will definitely come but pentagon dark is the man and on that note we're going to move on to the next match of the evening we got a steel cage match the monster matanza cueto versus el dragon azteca jr the way you win is by pinfall submission or both feet touching the temple floor this match was it sucked i'm gonna keep it 100 it sucked uh basically it was azteca getting thrown around by matanza matanza comes back those that take it so hard out of the ring the cage breaks azteca's feet touch the floor he wins the match melissa announces it but dario changes the match rules restarts the match and says it's pinfall or submission is the only way to win he's basically screwing over al dragon azteca jr to get back at Rey mysterio um for you know hitting him with the 619 during the match between him and mundo and and then, of course, you know, it's another match. Dominant, dominant, dominant. Then Black Lotus comes to the top of Steel Cage. Crossbody splashes Azteca. These two have history. Lotus has come to cost him the match. Matanza then hits the Wrath of the Gods. Gets the 1-2-3. As Dari announces his victory, he states this is his temple. Now, then Lotus hits Matanza with a low blow. Comes after Kratos. She screams at him that he's a liar. Then at first, Dari is scared. But when he sees Matanza get up, he smiles and screams, I am a liar. Matanza then hits her with the Wrath of God. She's lifeless in the ring. And Dari now keeps keeps yelling at her i am a liar now of course some people don't know what that means what that basically means is uh dario basically admits to black lotus that yes he did lie about dragon azteca senior killing her parents and that it was in fact the monster matanza cueto he really did kill black lotus's parents and dario lied to him all along so i think when we get to the next season, we're going to see Black Lotus and Dario Cueto start to feud. The question is, is Black Lotus going to make peace with El Dragon Azteca Jr. to fight them? Or will Dragon Azteca Jr. still want revenge because Black Lotus did cost him the match against Matanza? So we've got a lot, a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. I mean, not in the coming, on the next season of Lucha Underground. And then, of course, after that, we had a triple threat match for the Gauntlet of the Gods. Mil Muertes versus Cage versus Jeremiah Crane. And, um, this match, um... I'm gonna be honest. It was okay. Basically, it was a lot of... It was just basically three big men. Well, two big men and one not so big. Uh, really just uh, beating the hell out of each other. This is very much a brawling type match. A uh, few weapons used, but nothing really too special. Especially since we saw so much violence before this match. This match was kind of there. Then, of course, uh, Mill grabs a chair, grabs Cage... Hits a flat line around the chair. He covers him. One, two, three. 
three. Mil Muertes wins the match. He gets the gauntlet of the gods. But then Dario comes out with it. But as Mil places the glove on his hand and slams the ring with it, the lights go out. When they come back up, King Cuerno makes his return. Takes out Mill and Katrina. King Cuerno is back and he grabs the gauntlet for himself. And basically he's now going to use it to add it to his trophy case. Because as we all know, King Cuerno is a hunter. And every time he comes out, the hunt... Is on. So like I said, decent match, but nothing too special. Then we move on to the main event of the evening. The title versus career match. Johnny Mundo versus Prince Puma. Johnny Mundo defending the Lucha Underground Championship. Prince Puma defending his career. These two men have the most amazing chemistry in that ring. You could not ask for two better competitors to step into the ring and main event Ultima Lucha Trace. These guys were amazing from start to finish the psychology the edge of your seat action you didn't know who was gonna win so many false finishes it was insane i enjoyed this match in every sense of the word even with all the interference from the uh, worldwide underground then of course angelico makes his return takes out the worldwide underground muno then accidentally hits tire with a chair and then in the end puma hits the 630 splash covers him one two three and prince puma wins the match and becomes the first ever two-time lucha underground champion so he beats johnny mundo he keeps his career vampiro is happy because prince puma got a little darker with his image but was able to overcome the odds get back to the top of the mountain where he deserves to stand especially after winning the Cueto Cup and proving he is indeed the best luchador in the world then Dario Cueto comes out he congratulates Prince Puma however he says the night is not over there will be one more match and Cueto announces that Dario announces that Puma's next opponent is Pentagon Dark that's right Pentagon Dark cashes in the gift of the gods championship to face Prince Puma for the Lucha Underground title. But then, Dario, as we all know Dario Cuerto, he has to add more twists and turns. That's his MO. And he decides not only is the title on the line, but he puts both their careers on the line. So the loser of this match has to leave the temple forever. And that's what we see out of this match. Once again, Prince Puma, who's sitting there going, what the fuck? He just had this hellacious match with Johnny Mundo, but to Prince Puma's credit, we still see a great match out of him and Pentagon Dark. Prince Puma going down swinging, but in a shocking turn of events during the match, all of a sudden, Prince Puma goes for the 630, but then Vampiro pulls Pentagon out of the way, and then Pentagon Dark hits a kick, a driver, Puma kicks out, Pentagon Dark then hits the package pile driver, he picks him up, runs into the ropes, bounces back, drops him in the middle of the ring, hits the one, two, three, and Pentagon Dark becomes the new Lucha Underground champion. Prince Puma has to leave the temple forever. Vampiro backstab Puma. Vampiro's inside the ring awarding Dark the championship. And then Dark has the mic and he says in Spanish, this is his temple now. And he will run it with Cero Miedo. 
And then Pentagon Dark celebrates in the ring with the championship with his maestro back at his side and Prince Puma is out of the temple forever. And then after this, we see a bunch of vignettes for crazy, crazy cliffhangers. We see uh, Puma backstage, takes off his mask, drops it on the floor and leaves the temple. We see the gauntlet locked in a glass case. Sexy Star is signing autographs and receives a box from a little girl who says she hasn't forgotten about you. The box contains a spider. The rabbit tribe is doing their weird thing. Melissa and Phoenix ride off together. Drago is still in prison by Cobra Moon who has a new king who chops off Pindar's head. So Pindar is gone. And the guy who's now uh, the king, Cobra Moon's husband, is basically the guy that she was hitting on for most of season two. And then Vampiro says he has he has done as his master told him to. The master says that now he can make Pentagon fall. He tells Vampiro he has done well. So apparently Vampiro has a master that he's answering to. So we're going to find out, hopefully, in season four, who is the maestro for Vampiro. Matanzas are kept behind bars and Rey Mysterio pays him a visit. So it's intriguing to see what's going to happen there. Cueto says he can get the gauntlet back. Agent Winter tells him not to worry about it. He gets a pass. Cueto asks him why he gets a pass, to which Winter replies, you will be dead. Winter pulls out a gun, shoots Cueto in the stomach. Cueto gets to his phone, tries to call somebody. He says something to him in Spanish, can't finish his thought, and then he just falls unconscious. So now the question is, is Dario Cueto dead? Is Ray in prison with Matanza? Who's this mystery person that hasn't forgotten about Sexy Star? And to top it all off, who is Vampiro's master? All these questions and more, we're going to see on the next season of Lucha Underground. As the Breaker of Bones is now the Bishop of the Believers, and the Church of the Poison Mind is the altar to which we all now pray. An amazing closing comment by Matt Stryker. Alright, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was the end of Ultima Lucha Trace. It was a hell of a pay-per-view. Great four-part show. I look forward to seeing what happens in Season 4. Lucha Underground once again delivers. Alright, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. Or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Make sure you're following us on Twitch. Go to Twitch.tv slash TheBoochCast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. And our next watch party will be Saturday, April 1st and Sunday, April 2nd for nights 1 and 2 of WrestleMania 39. That's right. We're going to be getting together for the biggest pay-per-view event of the year as WrestleMania goes Hollywood. We got two separate streams on two separate nights. So we got night 1 from beginning to end, then night 2 from beginning to end. Join us both nights for the biggest event of the year. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special treat that we got in the works. And of course, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We 
have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first option, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second option, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99, $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since sold of the Peacock, you got where to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You get the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment. We use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed, you know, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.